0: I have returned what's going on y'all a little bit of an off schedule podcast today I'm recording this on Tuesday Wednesday geez all the days have gotten so blurred so blurred today is Tuesday I'm recording this on Tuesday we'll see if I'm able to edit it up and get it out tonight or if it gets out on Wednesday but a little bit of an off schedule episode today some extenuating circumstances made it so that I was not able to release one on Monday. Those circumstances being that I just didn't feel like it and it's my show, so whatever. <laughs> no, um, in actuality, what happened was I'm not sure if you guys picked up on it or not. I'm sure if you guys are tuning into the podcast, then you're generally tuned into the things that I'm doing outside of this podcast podcast. Um, one of which, as of late, was the Trey Jones film Breakdown. Um, I, I watched hours of the dude's tape, cut it up, told the story, told, uh, gave a little breakdown of what his game is, how he projects to the next level. And that just took so much time and energy out of me. I just had to take a couple of days, recuperate, rest up a little bit so I can get back on this grind. Um, but that is a, that is an ordeal, y'all. If you ever want to get into the game of breaking down film... And you know, splicing videos together to kind of tell the story of a prospect or really anything in general, whether it's you know draft prospects or how offense operates, things of that nature. It's very fulfilling work because when when it's all said and done, you look back at it, it's like wow, you know, yeah, you you if you if you did a good enough job, it's a good thing to be able to stamp your name on and look back at and say, you know what, I put that together and I gave that one hundred and ten percent. But the process to getting there very very tedious and it takes a very long time so very proud of that product go make sure you go check that out it's on youtube under reagan griffin jr not ray gun sports anymore formerly ray gun sports now i believe it's reagan griffin jr um and it's trey jones breakdown you know you had to do the whole clickbait thing is trey jones the most underrated prospect in this year's draft i gotta get views y'all i want my views <laughs> you gotta do it sometimes but With all that being said, let's get into this week's episode. So, I know it's going to be coming out a little bit later this week, so it's kind of awkward. Usually it comes out on Mondays and it's pertaining to the news of the previous week. This week's episode is still going to pertain to the news of the previous week, but it might be a little bit awkward because we have had news this week that I will be addressing on next week's show. So, keep that in mind. So, the first thing that we have up on the docket that I'm going to address today is the NFL Madden Cute quarterback ratings. And I have a bone to pick with EA Sports, y'all. I have a bone to pick with them folks, man. The Madden quarterback ratings were released. And let me preface this by saying I don't like Madden. I don't play it very often. Matter of fact, I only generally play it. I haven't bought the game in a while. I generally only play it when one of my friends has it and i'm in their vicinity because then my competitive juice ends up taking over you know i'm a football guy i want to i want to play madden i can show y'all but i always get so frustrated with the game and this goes for all sports games in general with me you guys have heard me address this on the show before i get frustrated with sports games because i have the and frankly, it's an expectation that's probably unfair to the sports games credit. It's unfair to expect 2K and EA Sports make a game that is a exact identical replica of what happens on the field. But I get frustrated with sports games because it tends to function and operate not how the, the sport would, would go in real life. Right? If I'm playing 2K and I drive with LeBron, the defense collapses... I kick out to Danny Green. I'm expecting Danny Green to make that shot at least 50% of the time. And when it doesn't happen, it's frustrating. It's a little bit frustrating. If I'm playing Madden and I run with Lamar Jackson. If I'm playing Madden and I run with Lamar Jackson. He should not fumble every time he gets touched, y'all. I swear. That is the most frustrating. Because, okay, I'm not going to lie to you. It is on the rarest of occasion that I take Madden seriously. So when I play, I generally pick the Baltimore Ravens. I generally run one play the entire time, tight end attack. And I generally only hit the tight end running the, the, the shortest post. Or run with Lamar Jackson. And it works until Lamar Jackson either doesn't slide in time or doesn't get out of bounds in time. Because at least 60% of the time he gets touched, he fumbles. Which just as it doesn't happen in real life. That just does not happen in real life. Lamar Jackson, okay, I know he's not the most built dude out there. I know he's a little bit on the skinnier side for a running quarterback. But he's not going to fumble that often. They put that in the game just so people couldn't do that all the time. And it's frustrating because you know what? It's not realistic. But I digress. I digress. I have a beef with the Madden quarterback ratings. Because, again, it just lacks realism, man. I I mean, if, if we're going to lack realism in gameplay, the least EA can do is give accurate ratings on their on their players. And across the board, there are some issues here and there at every position, but I want to specifically address quarterback. And I'm sure those of y'all who know me know why I want to address quarterback. There's a specific there's a specific player that I want to get to, but other players have been done injustices as well. So we're gonna get there. Excuse me. Starting at number one, you had Patrick Mahomes. He's a 99 overall. 100% correct. I have no problem with that. Patrick Mahomes is the greatest arm talent that we've seen in the NFL in its history. I have no problem with Patrick Mahomes being a 99 overall. Number two, you have Russell. Russell Wilson, he's 97. I'm cool with that. I do believe Russell Wilson is the second best quarterback in the NFL. 97. I have no beef with 97 overall. Next thing, you have Lamar Jackson, 94 overall. Cool. I'm cool with that. Top three quarterbacks I have no beef with whatsoever. Mahomes at 99, Russell Wilson at 97, Lamar Jackson at 94. Cool. Then we start getting in a little bit questionable territory. Drew Brees, 93. Mm, Has Drew Brees really played at a 93 level? Did he play at a 93 level at any point last season? See, what EA does a lot is they base their ratings on players off of public perceptions of players, right? They don't want people to be upset with the ratings. They want people to be happy with the ratings. And because the name Drew Brees has been amongst the top echelon of NFL quarterbacks for so long, they give him a 93 overall, even though I'm not sure that's something that's warranted. Drew Brees to me, 88, 89, maybe 90. 93 is a bit high. Next up, you have Tom Brady, 90 overall. That's a good cap. That's a good cap. Matter of fact, that's a good cap. Okay. Stop it. Stop it. Tom Brady did not play anywhere near a 90 overall. He did not put a 90 overall season together last year. Not even close. Not even close. Tom Brady, for him to be ranked over some of these other dudes, and we'll get to the rest of them, but that's just disrespectful. And again, it's just paying service to who Tom Brady was and what the public perception of Tom Brady is. Not the actual production on the field. Tom Brady did not put a 90 overall season together last year. Anyone who knows football will tell you that. That Patriots team was carried entirely by its defense. And nothing more. And they got ran out first round by the Tennessee Titans. It's not a 90 overall quarterback. Ridiculous, man. Next up, you got Aaron Rodgers at 89. I think that's respectable. Um, And this is the one spot where I feel like EA went ahead and decided, okay, we could give this quarterback a higher rating, but he didn't have that great of a season last year. Aaron Rodgers at 89 is fair, and that's really where Drew Brees should be. And we should be taking that same idea and applying it to Tom Brady here. I don't know why they, they gave the green light to say let's take last season's production into account when we talk about Aaron Rodgers but not when we talk about Drew Brees or Tom Brady it's a bit odd Matt Ryan at 87 I have no problem with it now here's where I really start having issues y'all 8 through 10 I really start having issues when you tell me Deshaun what I can't even talk Deshaun Watson's 86 overall but Tom Brady's at 90 overall I really start having issues. Because if you ask me, it's pretty obvious who the top four quarterbacks in the NFL were last season. Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson. Not specifically in that order. But the top four quarterbacks in the NFL, Mahomes, Wilson, Jackson, and Deshaun Watson. Yet somehow Deshaun Watson comes out with an 86 overall. And Tom Brady sitting pretty at 90. Y'all go watch the tape. Y'all go look at the production. And you tell me whether or not Tom Brady was better than Deshaun Watson last year. It wasn't even close. It was not even close. They weren't even the same stratosphere of quarterback last year. For him to be four ratings lower... Then Tom Brady is absolutely unfathomable. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. He should not be below Matt Ryan. He should not be below Aaron Rodgers. If you want to say him and Aaron Rodgers are kind of at the same level, just based on what Aaron Rodgers has done in the past and the arm talent that we know Aaron Rodgers to have, sure, let's have that discussion. But he should not be three points below Aaron Rodgers. He should not be nine points below, or excuse me, my math is not very good. He should not be seven points below Drew Brees. And he damn sure should not be four points below Tom Brady. That's ridiculous, man. Deshaun Watson's earned at least a 90 overall. At the very least, he's earned 90 overall. Now let's get into the real, oof, let's, let's get into the real issue that I have. The number 9 and 10th ranked quarterbacks are Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz. Not in any particular order because EA has taken it upon themselves to rank both Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz 84 overall. I'm just going to let that sit with y'all for a second. You still sitting on it? Sat on it? Good. Carson Wentz is better than Dak Prescott. He's better. It's it's not even a discussion anymore. I don't know why we keep having to bring this up. Ever since the two have entered the NFL, they've always been compared for whatever reason. Even though there's clearly clearly and obviously a talent separation there. Carson Wentz is far and away the better quarterback. Carson Wentz has a stronger arm. Carson Wentz has better pocket presence. Carson Wentz can do more with less. Carson Wentz at his best was significantly better than Dak Prescott at at his best. Carson Wentz has went the same He he has produced the same amount, right? Dak Prescott has never been to the second round of the playoffs in his career. Carson Wentz has never been to the second round of the playoffs in his career because Carson Wentz was injured during that 2017 Super Bowl run. Let's look at the teams that Dak Prescott has gotten to the first round of the playoffs. Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, one of the best offensive lines in the NFL First round out. Carson Wentz, Greg Ward Jr., Boston Scott. A good but injured offensive line. First round out. Why are we still having this discussion? They have Carson Wentz ranked at best the ninth quarterback in the NFL. And I'm cool. Let me let me say this. I'm cool with Dak Prescott being an 84 overall. I think that's about right for him. But to say that Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott, I'm sick and tired of having this discussion, man. I'm I I I can't understand why it still warrants lip service at this point. Have we not seen who the better quarterback is? Has it not been made glaringly obvious? That Carson Wentz is the clear-cut, better talent. Dallas don't even want to cough up money for Dak Prescott. They couldn't even, I'll get to it later in the show, they couldn't even come up with a deal, man. Dak Prescott's playing under a franchise tag. They not the same, man. They are not the same. I'm tired of hearing that they're on the same level. I'm tired of hearing the argument. I'm tired of seeing I'm tired of seeing their names compared. When we talk about Carson Wentz, right now he's in that Matt Ryan range of quarterbacks. Not the top top tier. I won't I won't I won't be even though I believe he he's talented enough to be in that top tier. I won't be so biased to say that he deserves to be in the conversation with the Mahomes, with the Wilsons, with the Lamar Jacksons. But when we talk about that next year quarterback. The Deshaun Watsons. The Aaron Rodgers, the Matt Ryans. He's in that conversation, hands down, hands down in that conversation. But people still don't want to admit it. For whatever reason, I'm really trying to rack my brain as to why people just don't understand. And maybe this is just the people that I put myself around. Because when you hear these ESPN talks like uh, Mina Kimes, Dan Orlovsky, uh, Dominique Foxworthy, they say that people generally have Carson once rated in the right area. In around the 6th the, the to 7th best quarterback in the NFL area, I just must not be talking to these people. Because all of these sports analysts who put themselves around sports analysts and put themselves around people who know the game of football all seem to have them in that range. But I'm sitting here, and the people that I'm around, for the life of me, still can't figure that out. Go watch Carson Wentz play football. Then go watch Dak Prescott play football. Go watch some of Carson Wentz's best plays. Go watch some of Dak Prescott's best plays. They're not in the same tier. Points. Blank. Period. And I y'all got me spitting on my mic. Let me wipe it off. Y'all got me spitting on mic. On my mic right now, man, because I'm frustrated. Last thing I want to address, Kyler Murray is a 77 overall. That's bullshit. That's just bullshit. That doesn't even make sense. But let's move on. I talked a little bit about Dak Prescott and how he didn't get a deal. So, for the sake of lightening the mood, because I'm still a little bit pissed off, Let's play Deal or No Deal. I'm your host, Reagan Griffin, and we're going to talk about today who got a deal, who didn't get a deal, at the NFL's deadline, and whether that was the right decision or the wrong decision. Y'all like my host voice? I swear I could do that job, like a game show host. Welcome to Family Feud. I'm your host, Reagan Griffin, and today we have the Johnson family. I- and on the other side we have the jackson family ah you know the jackson family's black family feud always has one black family you love to see it representation anyways let's get into deal or no deal first up miles garrett got one hell of a deal five years 125 million 100 million guaranteed Jeez, his agent really beat them over the head in negotiations huh that's not funny although somehow i do lack a little bit of sympathy for mason rudolphs but he's the only defensive player with a hundred million dollars guaranteed highest annual salary in the nfl for any defensive player and he's worth every single penny he's worth every penny y'all Miles Garrett has separated himself as one of the premier edge rushers in the NFL since entering the league. Edge rusher being one of the the probably the most valuable position on defense, and he's one he's one of the best, if not the best. He's going to be the cornerstone of that Browns defense for years to come. Congratulations to Cleveland. Congratulations to Miles Garrett. Let's just make sure the dude keeps his helmet to himself. But I think this was the right move. When you have a talent like Miles Garrett, you lock him up. You keep him in there for the long haul. Next up, we got Yannick Ngakwe. No deal. Now, we've known that these two sides have been kind of at odds. They've been destined to part ways since about April when Yannick requested a trade from the team. And side note, something's clearly wrong down there in Jacksonville, y'all. First, Jalen Ramsey wanted out. Now Yannick, we saw Fournette. He's having his issues there. I could see him getting traded in the in the foreseeable future. Something's amiss down there. I'm not sure what it is. I can't place my finger on it. But something ain't right in Jacksonville. They have all of this talent. I mean, Miles Jack is a dude that I very much like his game. Tevin Coleman, not Tevin Coleman, Jeez, Telvin Smith, I like his game a lot. They have talent down there, A.J. Bouye, uh, Tashawn Gibson, especially on the the defensive side of the ball. They have talent, but something they they can't put it together. I remember that year that Blake Bortles was their quarterback. I think they made it to the AFC Championship, and I remember thinking this team was going to be good for a while just because of how solid the defense was. But since then, it's just not been put together down there. I'm not sure exactly what the issue is, but – Something's wrong. There's a, uh, ooh, or there's something fundamentally wrong with the culture down there in Jacksonville, and something has to change, or else all of these talented dudes are just going to continue to walk out the door. That ain't what you want. But it's believed that Yannick, if he doesn't get traded by the time training camp rolls around, he's not going to report to the team. So I do think that they're going to deal him at some point. Um, Who could that be? Apparently, they've denied a deal that had a pro baller in it already. And we all know pro bowlers aren't all created equal. Some of them are at higher value positions. Some of them are at lower value positions. But they have a pretty high price tag. That much has been made clear. So whoever makes a deal for Yannick is going to have to have the capital, whether it be in player value or draft value, to go get that done. Three candidates I have. I could see the Eagles doing it just because they need an edge rusher. The Seahawks doing it. Or I could see Tennessee doing it. And these are all teams that, if you notice, they're all kind of in on the Jadavion Clowney sweepstakes as well. So in my mind, it operates like whoever loses those sweepstakes, whoever doesn't end up with Jadavion Clowney, could end up throwing their name in the hat for Yannick Ngakwe. I can see that happening, but it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Yannick is one of the more underrated players in the NFL. And to be frank, I didn't even know who the dude was up until last year just because Jacksonville is quiet as a franchise in general. But you turn on the tape, the dude's a little bit undersized. He's only 6'2", but he's one of the best edge wrestlers in the NFL. He's young. He's got a boatload of talent. He has a bunch of moves in his bag. The dude's going to be a game changer wherever he ends up. It's just a matter of finding the right fit for him. And to his credit, he does not like to lose, clearly, (laughs) because he does not like being in Jacksonville. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Next up, we have Chris Jones, who got himself a deal. Now, I wasn't sure this was going to be able to happen in the wake of that Mahomes deal, and you heard me actually mention it last episode with Mark. Um, what Were the Chiefs going to have the cap space available to make that happen? But apparently... And you know what? Let me stop right here. I want to bring this up because on the last episode... Mark brought up the idea of, you know, he said he he knew somebody that knew somebody that told him Patrick Mahomes is working on a behind the back pass. And what did I tell him? It's the title of the episode. What did I tell him? I'll be damned if, if Patrick Mahomes throws a behind the back pass. Lo and behold. Guess what I see on Bleacher Report the other day? That man is working on a fucking behind the back pass, y'all. And it looks like low-key. I don't know why you would do it. I don't know what reason you'd have for doing it. I guess that split second of misdirection gives you the edge. We all know that football is a game of inches and a game of, of milliseconds. But, my God, if he ever does it, as they say on Twitter, we'll have to give that man his flowers. Both Mark, whoever told Mark, and obviously Pastor Mahomes for pulling that crap off in the actual game I don't know why Ugh. I don't know why he would do it but if he's that freaking saucy screw it man get all of, <laughs> you might as well capitalize on that arm talent while you got it I ain't mad but back to Chris Jones I wasn't sure that they were going to be able to get the deal done but Patrick Mahomes left enough money on the table to where they could so now Chris Jones has a deal and he's locked up for the next few years in the Chiefs like I said on last episode, like Mark said on the, on the last episode, they're going to look dangerous for the next few years, man. Tyreek Hill is locked in. Travis Kelsey's is locked in. Sammy Watkins locked in. Nicole Hardman's locked in. Chris Jones is locked in. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is locked in. And obviously, Patrick Mahomes is locked in. That's a contender for at least the next three seasons. At least the next three seasons. Now if, if I'm looking at the AFC, Baltimore is obviously going to be a challenger. I think the Chargers, given some time, could be a challenger. I think the Patriots with Cam Newton will be a challenger. Deshaun Watson is going to do everything in his power to be a challenger. I'm just not sure if the team is talented enough. But the AFC doesn't have too, too many teams that can come try to force the Chiefs out of their throne. And when we talk about this, I know uh, Mr. Parker came on the show a couple episodes back. He actually had to take, he said, Patrick Mahomes won't win another Super Bowl. Something along those lines. I might be getting his words misconstrued. But it was either he won't win a Super Bowl for a very long time or he'll never win another Super Bowl. Stop it. Stop it. He's at least getting one off in the next four years. At least one. You can't have that amount of talent. And when I say that amount of talent, there's been talented teams put together before that didn't reach the pinnacle. But what the Chiefs have the advantage of is all of that talent that already kind of knows how to play with each other. They've already established a system down there in Kansas City that's clearly worked because they won a Super Bowl off of it. And they're taking the same players and they're running it back. And you have the greatest quarterback, or not the greatest quarterback in NFL history, but the most talented quarterback in NFL history. We'll put a pin in that greatest. One of these days, we'll probably be talking about Patrick Mahomes as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, but he's not there yet. But you have one of the most talented quarterbacks to ever do it at the helm. Not to mention one of the greatest coaches of all time, Andy Reid. That team's a contender for, for a while, man. This is a great deal for the Chiefs because one of their one of their biggest weaknesses was on the defensive side of the ball. But like I said with Miles Garrett, edge rusher is a premium position. You get yourself an edge rusher, you at least have a chance at being a solid defense. Chris Jones is that dude. I like the Chiefs going forward, man. I very much do. Moving on to Derrick Henry, who got himself a deal. Great job, Tennessee. Thank you. Thank you. Because if Tennessee would have given the bag to Ryan Tannehill and not to Derrick Henry, it would have been a travesty, y'all. It would have been a travesty. We watched Derrick Henry essentially single-handedly Drag that Titan offense past the Patriots and the Baltimore Ravens, the favorite in the AFC, two of the best defenses in football, en route to that AFC championship. That was Derrick Henry's doing. Don't, don't let anyone fool you. Obviously, the defense had a significant role to play. But the reason that they were able to do that, particularly against Baltimore, is because a guy like Derrick Henry kept the ball out of Lamar Jackson's hands slowed the game down, kept the clock ticking, kept the offense in possession of the ball. That's Derek freaking Henry. He deserves every penny of that contract. And I know, I know you guys are going to want to start with the rant. Ryan Tannehill played very well. And in today's NFL, it doesn't make sense to pay a running back. Ask yourself this, man. Because Ryan Tannehill got his bag. Ask yourself, how many quarterbacks... In the world, because the reason why we talk about how much how much sense does it make to pay a running back? How much does it sense to how much? Jesus Christ! We cannot talk today. Woo! Let me take a step back, recuperate, getting back in. When we talk about how much sense does it make to pay a running back, we talk about it because can that production be? simulated can, can not simulated that's not the right word can that production be replicated by a committee that's going to be paid less money versus a quarterback we cannot replicate that production so when we're talking about the replication of production who's capable of doing what how many people can i find that are capable of doing this do we think that it was the titans offensive line And this is not to discredit the Titans offensive line in any way. But could we put any old running back in that Titans backfield and got the same job done? Could we have put any committee in the Titans backfield and gotten the same job done? Hell no. You couldn't even put Christian McCaffrey back there and get the same job done. Derrick Henry is a special kind of running back, man. It's about time we started giving this dude his flowers. He's a special kind of running back. Through the course of a season, through the course of a game, he wears teams out. And what I mean by what I say when I say he wears teams out, he plays his best football at the end of games. He plays his best football at the end of seasons because he is such a physical specimen such a physically dominating person that the regular wear and tear of a football game in a football season does not affect him in the same way that it affects every sim everybody else he's at his best after the course of a football game you can't replicate that man you can't simulate that with a with a with a committee that's got to be derrick henry and if that's how you're going to run your offense moving forward, you've got to have Derrick Henry to do it. Meanwhile, let's take a look at Ryan Tannehill. How many dudes can replicate what he did? That dude was throwing under 20 passes a game, man. I know he came up clutch, quote-unquote, in some moments, and all credit to him. But when I think about the quarterbacks that can do what Ryan Tannehill does, over half the NFL can do it. Not over half of all quarterbacks in the NFL, but half of starting quarterbacks in the NFL easily. There's probably 20 quarterbacks in the NFL that can do what Ryan Tannehill did for that Titans team. Because the bulk of the workload wasn't on his shoulders. He was a supplementary player to Derrick Henry. And that's fine. That's not a slight to Ryan Tannehill. But when we're talking about who deserves to get paid what, Derrick Henry deserves his bag. I would argue... Derrick Henry, no, I wouldn't argue that. I was going to say that I'd argue Derrick Henry deserves more money than Ryan Tannehill, but that just doesn't make sense relative to what the positional value is. But I will argue that Derrick Henry is much more valuable at his position than Ryan Tannehill is at his position. That's not even a discussion that needs to be had. Derrick Henry is arguably, and I would make this argument, a top five NFL running back. Ryan Tannehill's what? Top 16, if that, at quarterbacks? I could probably rattle off 16 quarterbacks that I think are better than Ryan Tannehill. Probably more like top 20. And he got a bag. Based on what Derrick Henry was able to provide to the Titans offense. It would have been a travesty had they not paid Derrick Henry. I'm glad that they did. I'm glad that they did. Some running backs deserve to be paid, man. I'm not, I understand that in many offenses, it doesn't make sense to pay a running back a lot of money. It makes more sense to go the committee route. And I'm all for that. But in certain instances, it makes more sense to pay a running back what he's worth. Specifically, when you are as reliant upon that running back As the Titans are. As the Carolina Panthers are going to be. As the Giants are likely going to be. Certain running backs are so reliant upon, or excuse me, certain teams are so reliant upon the running backs that you got to pay them what they're worth. You have to. There are certain running backs that deserve to get paid. Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry. Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott. After that it starts getting a little bit tougher about who Alvin Kamara, I would argue maybe not as much as the guys I just mentioned before, but Alvin Kamara does deserve somewhat of a bag. But some running backs deserve to be paid, man. Let's not let's not like get into this notion that no running back deserves to be extremely high paid just because of the position that they play some running backs have that sort of value to where it does make sense to pay them Derrick Henry being one of those dudes last but not least (laughs) y'all knew this was coming (laughs) Dak Prescott no deal no deal for Dak Prescott man You guys can't see it now, but I'm leaning back in my chair. I'm folding one leg over the other, putting my hands behind my head, looking menacingly off into the distance. Because what did I tell you? What did I say? What did I say when they couldn't come up with a deal with Dak before? What did I say when the, the negotiations stalled before? What did I say when they brought in Andy Dalton? I said it once. I said it twice. I said it three times, and I'll say it again. We are witnessing the end. Gosh, Reagan, you are really butchering some of these quotes. We are witnessing the beginning of the end of Dak Prescott in Dallas. Let me say it twice. We are witnessing the end. Wow. Y'all, I need y'all to check me, bro. I need y'all to check me because I can't get the words out right. We are witnessing the beginning of the end of Dak Prescott as the Dallas Cowboys quarterback. Because let me tell you, that franchise tag label It's essentially an eviction notice, the way I see it. Once a quarterback plays under that franchise tag, unless he and that franchise have a very strong, established rapport. I believe it was Drew Brees that played under a franchise tag before with the Saints, and he'd already gotten a pretty decent contract from the Saints before, so they'd had established some sort of chemistry and rapport with one another. There was a level of trust there. Dak and the the Cowboys don't have that yet. This is more of a Kirk Cousins situation than it is a Drew Brees situation. The beginning of the end of Dak Prescott as the Cowboys quarterback. Because once you play under that franchise tag, like I've said before, that's essentially the team saying, we like you, but we don't like you that much. We mess with you, but we don't mess with you enough to give you what you want. Carson Wentz got his money. He saw his value. The Eagles saw his value. They made a deal. Patrick Mahomes, he knew his value was limitless. The Chiefs knew his value was limitless. They ended up finding a deal that they could agree upon and work for both parties in the future. You see, when both sides... Have some they have the motivation to come to agree on a deal. It tends to get done. But when one side or the other gets a little bit more greedy than they should be, deals fall apart. And that's what's happened with this Dak Prescott thing. There was apparently a deal on the table. It was a rumor floating around that they had a deal close that was in the 33 to $35 million range. But they weren't able to close on it, likely because of, and this is my speculation, probably some, probably some disputes around the guaranteed money. It's usually how that goes. And. When you take this long and you still can't come up with anything. It tells me that there's a fundamental disagreement. In the way the team views your value, and the way you personally view your value. And I'm all for, and I'm on Dak Prescott's side here. I need to make that abundantly clear because I don't think I've made that clear in the past. I'm on Dak Prescott's side. And I know I've been the one to kind of throw him under the bus because I hate the comparisons with Carson Wentz. But don't let that fool you into thinking that I don't think Dak Prescott is a good quarterback. I think Dak Prescott is solid. I just think he's somebody that needs talent around him to make things happen. But Dak Prescott's a solid quarterback, and he deserves the money that I think he's asking for. I think 33 to 35, not the most ideal range for the Cowboys, but given the landscape of everything that happened, sure, why not? Because what the Cowboys made the mistake of doing is allowing other deals to take place before Dak Prescott's. And the more that these dominoes fall, the Carson Wentz domino, the Jared Goff domino, the Patrick Mahomes domino, the more that these dominoes fall, the harder it becomes for Dallas to negotiate a deal. Because Dak Prescott sees everybody else and is like, well, now I'm comparing my deal to that. Every time one of these dominoes fall, that becomes the standard that other quarterbacks negotiating deals are going to look at. Specifically that Carson Wentz domino. Once that fell... You can bet you're behind that Dak Prescott wants to be paid more than Carson Wentz. Because for reasons beyond me, that's always been the comparison. Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott. And Cowboys fans swore up and down, up and down. Dak Prescott is better than Carson Wentz. I would rather have Dak Prescott than Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is too injury prone. Yada, 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 it. So, pay him like it. Don't move your goalposts now. Don't move your goalposts now because everything's been out in the open the way Dallas viewed Dak Prescott, the way Dallas Cowboys fans viewed Dak Prescott, the way the Dallas organization viewed Dak Prescott. That's all been out in the open. So now you got to put your money where your mouth is. And the Cowboys have not been willing to do that. They've been moving their goalposts, and that's why these two sides cannot come to a deal. Which is why, and hopefully I don't butcher it this time, this is the beginning of the end of Dak Prescott as the Cowboys quarterback. I'm going to keep saying this until I'm proven one way or the other, but my hunch is that it's the beginning of the end. His days in a Cowboys uniform are numbered. They're numbered. For the sake of time, I'm going to shut it down pretty soon. Um, Before I get up out of here, I do want to give a special shout-out. I might start making this a segment, just one of my favorite things of the week. Um, Special shout-out to Michael Norman, man. And I know that most of y'all listening to this are probably not huge into track and field, but I am, and it's my show, so I'm gonna say it. (laughs) Michael Norman is one of the, if you're not aware, he's one of the up and coming prospects. I can't even call him a prospect anymore. He's just one of the best track and field athletes in the world. He went to USC and he's basically been a prodigy for the longest time now. Um, if you run track at USC, you're kind of a prodigy already. Because uh, it, it's hard to even get an offer to run track at that school. And his specialty is the 400 meters. That dude hits 43 like it's nothing. Like it's nothing. He doesn't hit sleep. He's also a pretty good 200 meter runner. But at a track meet recently, Michael Norman went out and he ran the 100. And he did so in 9.86 seconds. And I know you all understand that's fast, that's ridiculously flat fast. But I'm not sure if many people outside of the track and field world are really gripping how insane that is. Michael Norman is a 400 runner who also does the 200. And just happened to go out and run the 100. For the heck of it. Right? Not for the heck of it. Obviously he wants to be the 400 meters a sprint. So he wants to be a fast sprinter. But the 100 meter is not one of Michael Norman's races. And the dude ran a time that would have placed him at silver. Second place in the 2016 Olympics. Second to only Usain Bolt. He would have beat Gatlin. He'd beat, I want to say, Johan Blake was in that race. He's beaten those dudes with the time he just ran. And that's an official time, too. He was when aided by, I think, plus 1.6. But that's a legal time. 9.86 seconds. And that's not even his race, y'all. That dude is special. And... One of the things I've been doing over quarantine is kind of trying to tap back into my track and field roots. Trying to educate myself on the happenings within the track and field world. Learning about dudes like Noah Lyles, Christian Coleman, Matthew Bowling. And I gotta say, the future of U.S. track and field, it's bright, man. It is bright. And I, I feel like now that Usain Bolt is retired, and Johan Blake is on the older side, and Asafa Powell. I'm pretty sure he's retired as well. I think the 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 sprint crown is right there for the U.S. to take again. It's right there for the U.S. to take again because let me tell you, again, Christian Coleman. He's had some issues. I, I'm not sure exactly what the um what the official problem is but I know he's had an issues with missed drug tests and he's appealing that because you know the process the way they went about it was unfair to him but Christian Coleman is one of the fastest human beings on the face of this planet he's ridiculously fast 100 200 dude's ridiculous Matthew Bowling prodigy coming out of high school he's going to Georgia ridiculously fast this dude was hitting I want to say he was hitting nine seconds in high school which is unfathomable. Let me check on that. Because I, I don't want to make an outrageous claim. But I want to say that Matthew Bowling was hitting 9 seconds in high school. Matthew Bowling 100 meter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The dude ran 9.98 seconds in high school. That's unfathomable. You guys, I, I, I know you guys, like I said, are not that into track. But you have to understand... That is an Olympic standard time. That's that's something that'll get you into the Olympic final. That'll probably place you in the top five easily in the Olympic final. And he's running that in high school. So when I think about Noah Lyles, I think about Matthew Bowling. I think about Christian Coleman. Now I'm thinking about uh Matthew. Gosh, I'm thinking Michael Norman, excuse me. The future of USA sprints, ridiculously bright, man. Ridiculously bright. I just had to get that off my chest because it's something that I'm very excited about. I want to start getting back deeper into track and field. But I'm hyped for it, man. I'm hyped for it. I know the 2020 Olympics got postponed to 2021. I'm crossing my fingers. For those of you who don't know, I go to USC Annenberg. I'm crossing my fingers that there's an opportunity to go out and cover those Olympics through USC Annenberg because I'm going to pounce on that, man. I've always wanted to go to the Olympics. I'm not one for traveling. I've never, I've only been outside of the country once, and that was via a cruise. I've never just stayed in a foreign place. And the only way that I envision myself doing so. Is through the Olympics, because that's an event that I've always wanted to go and observe. One of my favorite sporting events, probably my favorite sporting event, period, outside of maybe the Super Bowl and the NBA championship. But I'm just hyped for it, man. I'm hyped for the future of USA sprints. It's very bright. I think USA is primed to take back the sprint crown from Jamaica i'm here for it i just had to get that off my chest with that said y'all i think that's gonna do it for this episode of the reagan griffin jr show as always thank you guys so much for tuning in all of the support means so 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 much to me i'm not gonna lie to y'all man i'm gonna be forthcoming The, the views have kind of been dipping and i'm not quite sure what it is that i can do to try to make that better i'm working on it i think a video component is going to be key kind of splicing up the uh, the content and putting it out there on YouTube, maybe IGTV in smaller doses to try to get more people attracted to the channel. I'm working on it though. One of the most frustrating things about this, I'm not a person that likes to tread water. I want to see tangible improvement in what I'm doing. So that's something that I'm really just trying to figure out for myself is how I can get more people onto the show but the beautiful thing because of that is because I'm not huge and because I don't have this large audience base and it's pretty tight-knit around here with you guys being the listeners and me being the producer because that's so tight it's a very much of an intimate experience and I know you know hopefully one of these days when it does blow up or I, I do get the the platform that I'm hoping for I know I'm going to miss these days where I have this level of intimacy with my audience and I'm not going to be able to have, you know, that level of one-on-one or, you know, just that, like I said, that level of intimacy with y'all. So I'm just going to relish in it while I still can. And at the same time, work for a larger platform, man. Because at the end of the day, that's the end goal. I want to get the Reagan Griffin Jr. show out to as many people as possible. So please if you feel so inclined, if you feel like this is a good product, please share that with your friends. It's all much appreciated. Even something as simple as going and following the Instagram. I know most of you guys listening do already, but all of that means the world to me. Like I said, the support means so, so, so much. With that said, I think that'll do it for this week's episode. I'll see you next time.